Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Podcast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. John we're, and I are here to, to chat some hockey stuff. And John, that was an interesting weekend against St. Cloud. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting series. Uh, kind of a tale of two games this weekend. Uh, 16 goals were scored this weekend. And as Loyal listeners and viewers of this podcast know I try desperately to get clips of all the goals, which is much easier when there's like four goals a game. So 16 goals was a little bit exhausting, uh, but lots of exciting stuff to talk about. Certainly uh, going into that Friday night game, we were hopeful that UNO would do well. But we also knew that St. Cloud, when you looked at the NCHC standings, had a lot more to play for. They had not secured home ice in the conference playoff race like we had. So they had gotten into town early because of a uh, weather events. There was just bad snow blizzard events uh, in Southern Minnesota. So they got down here early. They had some time to acclimate uh, to Omaha and the Exarban village area, which is right adjacent to Baxter arena. So they were really ready to go on Friday night and 545 into the first period, Jason Grant Crookshank, a name that we're familiar with uh, because he used to play at Colorado college. I mentioned him on last week's podcast in the preview uh, gets the scoring started for St. Cloud state. Um, I'll tell you early on, I thought UNO had some opportunities. I thought that they looked like uh, they might be able to get off to a good start, but boy, that first period, St. Cloud State gets two goals, one at 545, like I mentioned, by Crookshank, and then one within the last minute by Grant Ashan. And that's always uh, that's always a killer to give up a goal at the end of a, a period uh, in a game, Jason. That last minute of a period, you know, you're you're planning on going in saying, like, we're down one, we still we're still in this, it's not a big deal. It was, you know, the refs getting overly involved in the game. You know, power plays are what power plays are. And so, like, there's a lot of things you're thinking of saying, and then all of a sudden they get a five-on-five goal in that last minute. And it changes the dynamic in the locker room. It changes the prep for the second period. Um, and honestly, like, I thought we kind of came out hesitant in that second period, and that led to the third goal by St. Cloud. Yeah, 310 into the second. Uh, Vidi Mietnin uh, gets the third goal for uh, St. Cloud State, and that's a killer at that point. One of the things that I would say about this game, I thought all the way through, is we had a lot of difficulty establishing any sort of offensive pressure in our offensive zone. Uh, we just we didn't control the puck. We didn't have puck possession. I didn't think nearly long enough. Part of that has to do with uh, the defensive play. <clears throat> of St. Cloud State. About a minute and a half later, Adam Ingram for St. Cloud State uh, gets the fourth goal. It's a power play goal, Jason. How are you feeling at that point in the game? Because I will tell you that was uh, that was not a great scenario for UNO to be in. Down four to nothing early in the game. There's still more than half of the game to go. Did you think they could come back at that point? I mean, I always think it's a possibility with this team. You know, they've proven that they will be resilient. I think of, you know, the games in Western Michigan, you know, they've, they've proven that they've got it in them to come back from those. But the way that we were playing in that second, like the first period, I thought, you know, this isn't too bad. Two goals, like 
we're not playing great, but we're not playing terrible. So we still have an opportunity. Uh, but that was not the case come, come the second period. I just thought that, that St. Cloud really kind of controlled the pace. You know, it was more of us trying to play their game and not playing, you know, what's got us to that point. You know, the type of hockey that we've played where we've beat Western and we beat Denver. And I always thought there was a chance, but I didn't think it was very likely. Well, we were hopeful at 743 in the second period when Matt Miller um, got an unassisted goal. We were hoping they had narrowed it to four to one at that point. Uh, but St. Cloud State had something to say about that. And at 918 in the second period, Adam Ingram got his uh, second goal of the game to put uh, St. Cloud State up five to one. And uh, that was pretty much all she wrote. Uh, the game ended up being uh, a six to two contest. Uh, Jack Randall got one uh, late with an assist to Victor Mancini, who I thought Victor Mancini really had a nice series. We end up losing six to two, a rough start to the series. I know that a lot of fans around us were uh, scratching their heads uh, at that, Jason. So going into Saturday night. I think what, on that, though, John, yes. like you've got to look at the tr- that transition from Friday night to Saturday night, right? Yeah. Like that was not our best effort. And so right. what adjustments are they going to make? I think the biggest thing for us was coming out of Friday was that everything that was wrong with Friday night was fixable. Um, you know, the guys just didn't look very prepared you know, they weren't, like I mentioned, they weren't playing their game. Um, so a lot of those things that, you know, in a morning skate, in some uh, film sessions and stuff were things that you could remedy. And the biggest thing, and we talked about this last week, the, the key for Omaha is to not take penalties, to stay out of the box, don't give teams an opportunity to hurt you. And on our own side, when someone takes a penalty, capitalize on it, you know? And the exact opposite is what happened Friday because St. Cloud goes three for five on power plays. I mean, you can't, you can't let a team go 60%, right? And we don't even get a single one. We go for five. So that's the the real difference for me on Friday was that special teams play. And that was uh, a key component to why St. Cloud beat us on Friday. Uh, and then Saturday we, we have the opposite. Yeah, exactly right. I will say too, you know, it was a very emotional game at the beginning of the game. You had the a tribute to Paul Gerard, whose no. funeral was uh, this week, and I, you just don't know how that affects a team, and that that definitely could have had a, an effect on the guys. Certainly, their uh, routine this week was uh, thrown off. A very emotional week for them. So you don't know. So as you said, things were fixable going into that Saturday night game. Things uh, things seemed to get fixed going into that game. Team was back in their uh, white home jerseys, which is always good to see for senior night. At 5.40 in the uh, first period, Brock Bremer gets the goal. An assist to Nolan Sullivan on that. Got it from Sullivan off of the faceoff. It was awesome because I wore my Brock Bremer special military night jersey that we acquired a couple weeks ago in the jersey auction and the people behind us were like yeah john you wore the right jersey i was great to get that first goal great to establish themselves in that first period early jason yeah and it was a it was a different play you know we were starting to control the puck we were having zone time yeah so like it was just good to get on the board to be playing with the lead this team certainly plays different when they have the lead than they they do when they're trailing behind. Um, and it wasn't too long after that that Slipak got a really good goal, too. 
and the team was looking more like what we'd seen earlier in the season. Yeah, three minutes later, Jacob Slipek puts UNO up two to nothing with assists to Gavin and LeMay. Uh, great for him. He's been one of the uh, pleasant surprises as a freshman this season. Scored a lot of goals when he was in juniors. Uh, you never know how that's going to transition to the collegiate ranks, uh, but he's really stepped up this season, and it's great to see him performing. Uh, so UNO up two to nothing at that point, but uh, Grant Crookshank again narrows the lead, uh, 1440 in the first period. Uh, St. Cloud State gets another one of those power play goals, and as you mentioned, I, I'm always worried when we go to the box against some of these teams that we're going to find a way to let them slip back into the game. So uh, we leave the first period up two to one, but a better position to be in than we were on Saturday night, certainly. And then 423 in the second period, uh, Jacob Gavin gets a power play goal. Uh, Gavin had a really monster night. He had a really good night for UNO. UNO was up three to nothing at that point. Jason, what did you think of UNO having the three to one lead against St. Cloud State? We were rolling, you know, just like it's like the opposite of Friday. Could St. Cloud come back? Yes. You know, there's certainly a team that's capable uh, of scoring enough to, to overcome a, a 2-1 deficit. We were, we were playing better. We were controlling more of the play. Uh, we, had a, we had a point where we had two and a half, three minutes of just sustained zone time. Cycling the puck, possession, shot, recovery cycle the puck shot recovery and just you know we're getting changes the guys are on the ice like i remember at one point in time i think it was a uh, cameron berg who had the puck in the corner and started coming out and like you could just tell st cloud players were so tired that they didn't even go out and challenge them it was more of just like let's just all like sit in the house and hope that it hits us and we can get you know get the puck out and get a change right uh, and that's that's key for us is when we get a team kind of on their heels late in a shift like that, just really kind of stepping down on them uh, and keeping that cycle game going. Yeah, absolutely right. We definitely had a lot more jump on Saturday night. It definitely was a reversal of fortunes. Two minutes after that uh, Gavin goal, that Gavin power play goal, Jake Pavanka puts UNO up four to one. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic position for UNO to be in at that point. Again, Mavs were rolling, fans were excited. It was definitely a, a tale of two games for UNO. Um, and then at the 1842 mark in that second period, Camberg puts UNO up five to one. Great position for UNO to be in. Uh, Jacob Gavin, who uh, we mentioned earlier, gets a uh, assist on that play. But late in the second period, Zach Okabe for St. Cloud State with uh, less than a minute left to go gets the second goal for St. Cloud. So it's five to two at that point, five to two going into the third period. But I got to say, I, the body language of the players said everything we needed to know. We knew that that third period was going to be good uh, for you. At least I felt like it was going to be good. And uh, late in that game, St. Cloud State pulled their goaltender to try to get some uh, scoring started. But Tyler Weiss, uh, 16-54 in the third period, gets an empty netter goal, uh, fires it in from the slot gets the assist from uh, Camberg down there. And so UNO wins six to two. So they lose two to six on Friday nights and they win six to two on Saturday night. The players are excited. The fans are excited. Jason, 
what did you think just kind of overall on the weekend for UNO? I, there, there's definitely good things to take away. Uh, you know, Pavanka's goal was big. You mentioned it. It came right off the tail of a almost a solid minute of five-on-three penalty kill for us. This is the type of play that we need game in, game out, every night, 60 minutes. You know, every shift needs to be played this way if we're going to achieve the goals that we've set for ourselves as, as a team. You know, we we know we've gotten home ice, but I don't think that that was the goal for the season. You know, this team should have goals that are higher than that. Um, and if you want to make an NCAA tournament, we're a bubble team. You know, you're going to need help from someone anyways. So you've got to do your part and just win out and say the cards fall where they are. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, you've got to keep uh, your foot uh, foot on the gas, uh, keep accelerating, because this is the time of year you really need to be playing your best hockey, shift after shift, period after period, night after night. Because if you don't do it, some team will be able to sneak up on you when the postseason comes around. As we've talked about before, hockey in March in the collegiate ranks is much different than hockey in uh, January and February. So you've got to be ready to go every single night. Uh, Brett Bean, who's OMAF's hockey fan, pointed out on Twitter last night uh, that Mueller wasn't on the bench during the third period. Uh, We heard that it is an upper body injury of some sort. We don't know what that entails, but uh, we hope he'll be back uh, next weekend for the a series up at North Dakota and Grand Forks. Um, the other interesting thing in this uh, game, Jason, is that Simon Lacozzi got the start both nights again. Yeah, it, he's really kind of taken himself into that number one goaltender role. We saw Kuharski for for a blink there on Friday night when, when they pulled him. And I was talking to some friends and stuff. And I said, you know, for me, that was the decision was when you pulled Lakotsi on Friday and put in Kowarski, that was the decision of Simon's going to get another start on Saturday. Because my opinion is, and you know we've seen it before with, with this team, of like, if you're going to make the switch and put Kowarski in on Saturday, you're not going to give St. Cloud an early look at him. Um, you're just going to let Simon kind of work him, you know, work it out for the rest of that game. And it's a hard thing for a goaltender because there's there's so psych- it's such a psychological game with them. It's hard to decide like where that point is and stuff. But um, we chased we chased St. Cloud's goaltender after two goals in the first, so they clearly had shorter leashes than we did. Yeah, I'll tell you, I said that same thing to Bridget. Yeah, Brett Larson. Uh, Brett Larson was not going to be uh, was not going to be patient with Dominic Bassey, so he pulled him and put uh, Jackson Caster who had uh, started the game and played uh, through the game on Friday night for St. Cloud uh, into the game fairly early. Simon is doing terrific right now. Uh, uh, Credit to him, credit to uh, UNO goalie coach Rob Couturier uh, for doing a great job uh, with our goalies this season. So we got to talk about the NCHC standings like we do every week now. See, a lot of times when UNO is in the basement of the conference, we don't really talk about it because they're like, well, they're not getting up into the top half. But this year, we have some interesting things to talk about in that regard. So UNO, after uh, the series against St. Cloud State, is sitting alone in second place. Just run these down real quick. Denver is in first place uh, at 50 points. 
they have Penrose champion Denver Pioneers. We got to mention that it's over now that they won it. It's too, you know what? It's too bad. I, I, this is one of those times (laughs) where I'm looking back at like a couple of those games against Colorado college and some other games in conference play thinking, man, we could have, uh, we could have potentially been raising the Penrose cup up at North Dakota next weekend, but sadly that's not happening. So Denver in first with 50 Omaha in second with 41 conference points You've got Western Michigan and St. Cloud in third and fourth place at 39 points each. Minnesota Duluth is in fifth with 29. North Dakota is close behind them with 28 points. Colorado College in seventh with 25. And uh, Miami down there in eighth place in 13th. Miami has secured eighth place uh, this season, which is not a great position for them. I Feel bad for that program. Hopefully, Chris Bergeron can get them turned around and get them more competitive. But, Jason, what do you think about UNO being second place in the NCHC standings going into the last weekend of the regular season? It's an unexpected place for us to be. I mean, even even you with your eternal optimism at the beginning of the season didn't have them that high. No, I had yeah, I had them in fifth place, so this is uh, this is definitely more than I expected. That's the reason why you play the games, right? It's not about us being pundits sitting here going, well, we think, and so therefore you should just, you know, play like a fifth-place team type of thing. It's These guys have put together a good season. They've outperformed. They've come together. You know, I, I know I talked about it early on in the podcast this year about playing with a chip on your shoulder because no one's going to give you respect, and you have to – you have to kind of embrace that mentality uh, and they have, and kudos to them. The challenge is, is that there's one matchup that's set. We know that Miami is heading to Denver to play in the first round. You know, Denver doesn't have a whole lot to play for at this point. You know, the, the biggest thing for them is, is pairwise points so that they can stay in the top four and make sure that they're a, a one seed going into the tournament. You know, that's that's pretty much all they care about at this point in time. Um, you know, it'd be great to win the NCHC tournament championship and stuff, but they've got the Penrose Cup. They don't. I mean, it's it is what it is. Everyone else is in a like in a battle. You know, North Dakota is yeah. looking at where they end up falling. They certainly don't want to be down in seventh position. I think that's just from a program standpoint, at least go into it as a you know, try to go into it as a four or five matchup as a five seed and say like, you know, we just had a lot of bad luck and we're turning it around for next season that their fan base is looking for them to do that. So they have a ton to play against us and they get us at home. You've got Duluth and St. Cloud probably not wanting to play each other again after just playing each other. So, you know, that, that Duluth got a lot to play for because it, it is St. Cloud and St. Cloud's trying to reach that second seed because we're in striking distance and Western had a really bad showing against Denver, which gave them the title for the regular season. So they're looking for redemption this week. So there's a, there's a lot of, of teams that have a lot of stuff to play for. And it's really hard to guess who's going to have the greater motivation in any of these series this weekend. Absolutely. Right. You know, two through seven are all in flux. Those, uh, the, two, three, and four seeds in the top half, 
they could finish any in any order after this upcoming weekend. And then certainly uh, five through seven, they could finish in any order. So it's a mystery at this point as to who we're going to play in the conference playoffs. I know a number of people asked me on uh, on Saturday night who they thought we'd play. And I said, I have absolutely no idea. It could be uh, Duluth, North Dakota, or Colorado College. And all three of those series present some interesting challenges and interesting opportunities uh, for that playoff series. So we just don't know. It should be exciting next weekend. Uh, Kind of makes for a a very interesting final weekend of the regular season. And it would be wonderful after this coming weekend uh, if they could hold that second place spot because that would be a great finish considering uh, where the team started this season. It's hard to believe that this was the team that got uh, swept by Niagara early in the season. I think at that point, a lot of us were like, I don't know where this thing's going, but uh, but it's gone pretty well. So credit to Coach Gabinet, Coach Noel Bernier, and the players uh, for getting this far and setting a goal and uh, and doing really well here down the stretch. But we've got to talk about our players of the weekend, Jason. And normally I let you or Bridget or Jolene or whoever's on this podcast go first. And then I always feel like I'm getting my second choice on this podcast. So I'm going first this week. And I'm picking Brock Bremer, a forward that you and I have been talking about for several years. You and I got a chance to see him when he was playing for the Muskegon Lumberjacks. He and Nolan Sullivan were on that team together. We got to see them uh, come down and play the Omaha Lancers uh, at Ralston Arena. And he had a really good night. Uh, You know, he hasn't had a ton of success offensively this season, but he had a goal and an assist this weekend. He had two assists during the Miami series last weekend. He has two goals, four assists on the season. Uh, Bremer is my guy. I was so glad I wore the Bremer Military Appreciation Night jersey. Bridget's like, you got to wear it on Saturday night. And I'm like, Jason and I are going to try some new food for the podcast, which we'll be talking about in a little bit here. And I'm like, I don't want to get any food on the jersey. So normally... If I wear a jersey like that, I'm like, it's it's nothing but, you know, bottled water during the game for the duration. But uh, what did you think of Bremer's performance this weekend? He's stepping up at the right time. Uh, yeah, if we if we look at Mueller possibly being out, at least for this North Dakota series, you know, he's one of those guys you look at him and stuff like that, that need to step up. We need them to be productive to kind of fill that void. Um, so... It's good. You know, we, I, like you said, I remember when we were watching him, uh, when he came to Lincoln with Muskegon, that there was just a lot there to be excited about. Obviously he's a smaller guy, you know, we're, we're used to kind of cheering for those kinds of players or back in the days of, uh, Austin Ortega and stuff, the, the not prototypical kind of hockey players. So, uh, I think he's got a lot of fans in the stands and I hope he knows that. Yeah, I think he does. Like you said, we've loved some of those little guys over the years. I think about guys in the past like John Kemp, Rich Perslow, even the very first season of UNO hockey, a very talented player, Andrew Tortorella, who did not make it past that first season. Yeah, I love those little guys. Um, As somebody who's relatively short himself, uh, I tend to gravitate to those players. So yes, Brock uh, really set the tone for UNO. Jason, I'm making you pick second this time. Always look forward to your pick for player of the week. Who did you I, like this weekend for UNO? 
I went through all this stuff last night of like, who do I think John's going to pick? I don't want to pick someone that John's going to pick. So who do I think? So I had like this list of like three guys. I think John's going to pick one of these three. So I'm not going to pick those three and I'm going to go for someone else. I'm really looking at someone with the, the, with the, the yin and the yang of Friday to Saturday, you know, like there's just, there really was no one good on Friday, to be honest with you. Like, there were, there were points where guys played good. You know, Miller played well when he got his goal, but there were a lot of times where I'm just like, he just didn't seem to have that presence that we expect from Miller on the ice. And so, like, there, I was looking at, like, who didn't hurt us on Friday as much, uh, but then still turned it around and performed well on, on Saturday. And so that was the criteria I kind of had to use before I got to the, I don't think John's going to pick this guy, so I, I think it's safe to choose him. Um, I'm going to go with Jacob Gavin. We've talked about him on about this game. Like this is maybe one of the best stretches of hockey, kind of like Bremer that I've seen him play this season. Um, and so it's really nice to see him come through and it's not just the offense. Like we talked about this last week, like it's really easy to go through the score sheet and just pick who scores the most goals or has the most points or something like that. But for me, it's really like some of his defensive plays, uh, the active stick in the zone. He's closed the gap earlier when they're entering the zone. I think that really helps you. I know we're a, we can play a really good transition game, uh, and he's the type of guy that can really kind of shut that down early and get us into that uh, defense to offense transition faster. And so I've really enjoyed seeing that aspect of his game too. Jacob Gavin, one of the uh, two uh, Quebec uh, defensemen, along with a. Uh... Joe LeMay uh, have been great on the blue line for UNO uh, this season. Uh, Gaben, obviously, on the offensive side, had one goal and two assists on Saturday. Uh, He has three goals and 12 assists on the season. Uh, But overall, a good weekend for the Mavs. Great position to be in. Great to salvage the split in that series because uh, St. Cloud State came to play. They were very prepared, and uh, I thought they were impressive this weekend. So, turning to our things you missed at Baxter Arena. And first of all, one of the things that I have apparently missed the last couple of weekends has been something called Tubas on Parade, which Jason and I were talking about via text before this. Apparently, and Jason, you can explain this to me if I'm wrong, apparently the Tubas parade around the concourse before you know hockey games. Well, Bridget and I... We're in the concourse both nights this last weekend on Friday and Saturday night. We were there by 6 p.m. and we did not see any tubas parading around the concourse. So I don't know if they're stealth tubas or what they are, but I think the tubas. The, I think it's the second intermission. I think they do it at the center the, during the second intermission. Oh, it's not before the game? I'm pretty sure it's the second intermission. Oh, okay. So, so apparently there's a thing John missed. At Baxter. And he was at Baxter Arena. <laughs> I thought it was pregame. Apparently they do it during the game. People seem to really enjoy it. And I wanted to capture this on video and I have not been able to. So maybe they will do it uh, during the playoffs and we can capture that for you all. But, Some other things you missed. Uh, Friday night certainly was the Paul Girard tribute. There was a moment of silence before the game. Uh, His wife and daughters uh, participated in the uh, ceremonial puck drop before the game. Certainly emotional. Uh, 
Bridget and I and Jolene uh, attended the public uh, reception last week uh, for Paul Gerard after his funeral. Uh, very nice event uh, at Baxter Arena. Certainly the three of us uh, didn't know Paul Gerard, but we felt like we knew him better uh, after that event. Just a very emotional event. I was sitting between Bridget and Jolene at the table that we were at, and both of them were crying. And then as they got emotional, I got emotional. So certainly uh, tough for us as fans. And I can only imagine that it was very tough for uh, the players and the coaches that day. Uh, just a very nice thing. Uh, before the Friday night game, uh, we also had the uh, Fremont Choir sing the national anthem. It's nice when uh, groups come out and do it. A lot of times we'll get the individuals singing the national anthem or playing the national anthem on guitar, but it was nice to have a group out there singing the anthem. Uh, one of the biggest things, though, this weekend pregame was uh, Saturday night. Uh, we saluted the seniors always kind of emotional as a fan when you get seniors out there. Uh, certainly when you look at the players, we have uh, Jake Kaharski and Nets, uh, Kirby Proctor, who's a defenseman, Nolan Sullivan, uh, one of our great forwards who we alluded to earlier, uh, Johnny Tyconic, who transferred in from North Dakota. He's a grad student this year. Uh, Jack Randall, a very surprising uh Surprising performance by him as a forward this year, a career year for him in the collegiate ranks. Uh, fan favorite, Jacob Zab, a netminder who uh, has really uh, served us well uh, as a kind of a perennial backup. Tyler Weiss, of course, one of our favorite players on this podcast. It'd be interesting to go back and log the number of minutes that we've talked about Tyler uh, over the past five seasons, for sure. We love Tyler. Uh, Jason's favorite player on this team. And then uh, Jake Pavanka, who transferred here from Notre Dame and has had a terrific year and has had breakthrough success for UNO. He and Weiss, uh, along with Ty Connick, are all grad students. So we know those three won't be back. The other five, uh, because of having extra eligibility for COVID, we don't know whether or not they'll be back. Jason, what did you think of senior night? What do you think of those guys? What do you think of the uh, tenure that they've had at UNO and the uh, success that they've had here over the years? Uh, you know, we, we always say this every year, and it, it's, it's cliche but true, but where we are has a lot to do with, with these seniors, uh, especially the ones that were part of the program and not the transfers in. Like, I don't want to discount what Kuharski and uh, – Pavanka and Tyconic have done, um, you know, in, in some of those cases, this is the only season we've seen them. Um, but those guys that have been here for like weeks, five years, you know, like a lot of this program is owed to them to where we are. Um, I know those guys that they, they take it upon themselves to really, introduce the new guys to the team and they're big on the culture and, you know, they're big on growing Omaha hockey. And, you know, it's nice to see in the community when we see some of the old bulls that are still involved in UNO hockey, um, the, the ceremony and stuff, the number of people that you've talked to, the old players that have come back and, and were there for that, for Gerard, you know, it, that's, that's the, accolades that's the sediment to this team and what this means and and these guys are a big big part of it and you know as a fan like i want to say thank you to all of them because it's been a pleasure watching them play 
Uh, it's been great talking to them at events and uh, seeing them. And, and it, like, you always kind of feel for the guys because, you know, it's an emotional thing for them. It's, it's the last, for some of them, the last time you're going to play. Um, and then the the analyst side of things, like we start getting into the like who's coming back and who's not, because some of these guys have extra years of eligibility that we haven't had to discuss in the past because pre-COVID we didn't have that discussion. It's like they don't have a red shirt, they weren't on a medical year, so they're gone. Um, so now we get the, now we get to have that discussion of like do these do some of these guys come back? Um, Sab Kuharski, those are two big ones. Like, do they come back or not? Yeah, that'll be an interesting thing. Uh, uh, two of the ones that I'm most interested are Sullivan and Randall because they both have another year of eligibility. I'm sure that the coaching staff uh, would like to see those guys back. I know that you and I would like to see them back. And as you said, this creates a completely new dynamic because you don't know if the players will come back for a fifth season uh, because they are granted it because of the COVID season or if, uh, they're ready to move on and they're going to try their hands uh, playing uh, in the minor league ranks, the ECHL, possibly the AHL. I look back to when we started this podcast during the 2018-19 season, and that was not a very good season. And I felt so bad for most of the season that we started a podcast then because (laughs) you're talking about a lot of losses, a lot of struggles, and we didn't know when uh, the coaching staff was going to be able to turn things around. Certainly, uh, Coach Gabinette at that point had not uh, not been behind the bench for uh, particularly long here at UNO, but uh, but I'll tell you through recruiting and through the transfer portal, they've really brought in a special group of guys, and that's what I would say is you look at uh, the leadership on this team, and I think uh, the last three seasons they've really been able to help this program evolve, and certainly uh, again guys that I mentioned uh, just a moment ago, Sullivan, Randall. Uh, Weiss uh, is always great. I'm so glad we got to watch him for another season here. Uh, It's just been a treat to have him. He's had a really nice season. Terrific to see those guys honored. And uh, I hope a bunch of them come back. I hope we see Proctor, Sullivan, Randall, Zab, et cetera, come back next season uh, because we could use them. uh, We could use them in the lineup and uh, UNO is the host school for a regional in Sioux Falls next season. So we'd love to watch those guys uh, there make a a frozen four run if that is possible. But uh, great nights, great senior nights, uh, always fun to salute the season. And uh, we look forward to seeing what they have to do the rest of the way here in this campaign. But Jason and I are introducing a new segment. As I alluded to earlier, we tried some new concession items on Saturday nights. And we are calling this segment hot Hot and new. Jason had me try the Buffalo chicken tender melts, which was a sandwich. And Jason, (laughs) like I shoved it down your throat. (laughs) I told you, Jason, I wore the military night special Jersey, the Brock Bremer Jersey that we got in the auction. And I did not want to get anything on the jersey. So I'm having my nephew, Blaze, who's sitting next to me as I am consuming it. uh, Watch. And he's like, John, you've done a good job. You haven't gotten anything on the jersey. That was my biggest concern. Not so much. (laughs) Jason tried the wow dog, which I'll tell you, after you walked by with that, Blaze was like, wow, that looks good. Because I didn't know the buffalo chicken tender thing was a sandwich. I just thought it was like buffalo chicken tenders. 
And Blaze was very excited because he was going to have some. But when the sandwich came, he's not a fan of, you know, mayonnaise and cheese and lettuce and tomato and onion on his stuff. So he didn't have any. So he was a, a little disappointed. But uh, but I will say this about the buffalo chicken tender melt. It was a really good sandwich. I really liked it. I'm a big chicken sandwich fan. Um, the one thing I'll say is I don't know exactly what was buffalo about the buffalo chicken tender melt. There was no like buffalo sauce on this. It wasn't particularly spicy. It was delicious, which I liked because I'm not a big buffalo sauce guy, but there was no buffalo sauce on the sandwich, Jason. Yeah, you know, that was interesting because when I told you these existed, when I saw them, I was like, okay, I never heard of that stuff. And have you like, did I just miss it? Cause I don't pay that much attention to it. So we were both kind of like, wow, we haven't, we didn't know those existed. I, I was actually thinking it was like, like chicken tenders and like Buffalo sauce was kind of what I expected. Yeah. Um, so to see it as a sandwich, I was like, okay, interesting. But you say like, it wasn't like a Buffalo sauce or, or anything like that on it. No. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's like the, maybe it's like the, tubas on parade maybe <laughs> maybe i just didn't notice it i don't know no it wasn't it was it was really tasty really good but it did not have that spicy buffalo sauce on it near as i so i don't know i don't who knows but it was delicious so if one of you out there gets the sandwich um and it does have buffalo sauce be sure to let us know in the comments below but jason how was the wow dog? Because that thing looked impressive. And like I said, my nephew was like, oh, that that hot dog with the with the pulled pork and all that stuff. That looks really good. So I think he was wishing we had gotten that because I think I could have had yeah. any deal. So it was uh, it was one of the long hot dogs. So not the little ones that you get you know, normally at the at the concession stands uh, had shredded brisket and then crispy fried onions fried jalapenos and barbecue sauce on it. Um, it was good. I asked for a knife. They didn't have knives. So my number one suggestion is to add a knife to the stations because uh, I needed one. Like holding that, there's just no way that you can sit in the stands watching a game and hold that hot dog and eat it without 90% of it ending up on the arena floor. So um I carefully cut through it with a fork and, and ate it that way. Um, but it was, it was good. It's a good, I don't know what their barbecue sauce is, but I like their barbecue sauce. It's expensive though. Both of these, I don't, I don't know what the chicken sandwich costs, but I know that the hot dogs, like it's an investment. So make sure you're going to eat it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the food that, uh, that Saver serves up uh, at Baxter arena is really, really good. And that hot dog looked great. But as I, as I watched you come up the stairs with it, I was like, there is no way I was eating that thing. Um, wearing my jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that thing definitely looked like a drip, uh, and a stain waiting to happen on that. Normally when I get concessions, if I do happen to eat at the arena, I usually get like the cheeseburger and fries. I don't get uh, oftentimes some of these specialty ones. I get whatever's at the concession stand that's behind our seats, uh, which is the pretty typical stadium fare, you know, hot dogs, nachos, et cetera. So I thought both of those items uh, looked, I thought yours looked really good. Mine tasted really good. Again, there was nothing particularly Buffalo about it. But that was fine with me. So uh, if you're at Baxter Arena and you are looking for some uh, tasty concession items to try out, 
Check out the Buffalo Chicken Tender Melts and the Wow Dog. Now, ours was at the North Stand, uh, which is right next to uh, the uh, practice ice, the Holland, uh, Holland ice at the arena. Jason, what stand did you get the Wow Dog at? Ours is at the West Stand behind, was that 217? Okay, so it's behind our section. Right behind where we sit, yeah. Okay, great. Okay, great. So, uh, so keep that in mind uh, when you come to the next game. But before that, we've got to travel up for our final series of the regular season. We're traveling up to Grand Forks. We finish the season with North Dakota every year uh, since they are our travel partner in the conference. Uh, North Dakota is 14, 13, and 6 overall. Uh, eight, ten, and four in conference play. This season has been a struggle for uh, Bradbury and company up there. Certainly not the campaign that they were looking for. Uh, a number of young players on that team, but you can never underestimate North Dakota. Um, when we met in November, they defeated us in one game and they tied us in OT, and we won the shootout during that uh, that series. So uh, the contest we had back in November against them was very, very competitive, and they had quite a bit of success. They just came off an entertaining series uh, out in Colorado Springs uh, against the Colorado College Tigers. Both of those games uh, went to overtime. Uh, they won an OT on Friday, and then they won the shootout on Saturday. So they're coming in uh, off of a successful series out there. Uh, the players to watch, uh, and these are players that I probably mentioned back in November. I can't remember at this point, but uh, freshman forward Jackson Blake has 15 goals and 23 assists this season. Uh, he has been one of the hot rookies in the conference this season. And uh, junior forward Reese Gaber, a name that we hear a lot uh, when you're watching uh, North Dakota broadcast, has 19 goals. 14 assists, and then in nets, uh, predominantly in the net for North Dakota has been uh, Michigan State transfer Drew DeRitter. He has a 2.64 goals against average and a .896 save percentage. Going into this game, Jason, uh, as we talked about, there's a lot in flux in the NCHC standings. Who's going to be playing who in the conference playoffs uh, coming up in a couple of weeks? What do you think of UNO's chances uh, in this series? And what do you think of North Dakota this season? Well, I think they're not, they're not playing the type of hockey we expected them to play. And a lot of their challenges have been, particularly in the second half of the season, has been goal production and where that comes from. Guys that can consistently be there. You know, you mentioned two of their consistent performers, but that's about it. Everything else is you know, tonight's their night and you're not going to see it again for a few more weeks from them. So they're looking for some consistency. I'm sure that's what's being preached in their locker room is uh, a little bit of what we talked about it, you know, day in, day out. We need this performance. We need these guys to step up. You need to play, play the same period one of Friday that you play period three of Saturday. That's, that's going to be the key for us, for UNO. You want to win these games you've got to keep them off the score sheet. You know, you know that they're going to struggle. So make it difficult. Don't give them easy chances. Stay out of the box, you know, protect the middle, you know, play inside out on defense. And, you know, in theory, we should be able to find a way to produce enough to get over, you know, one or two goals that, that we might let through. 
if North Dakota puts up three or four, I worry about us in any game. Because if they're putting up that much, their defense and their goaltending is strong enough that, you know, they'll beat us 4-1 like they did, you know, even the, the it was, wasn't it a 3-3 tie, I think, if I remember right? Yeah, yeah. In that November 4th and 5th series, they beat us in the Friday game 4-1 to at Baxter Arena. And then it was a tie 3-3 to on Saturday night. We won the shootout, but they had a very successful weekend uh, here in Omaha back in November. Obviously, we were in a different place at that point, but you're right. Yeah, you've got to be careful. You know, looking back at this St. Cloud series this last weekend uh, and uh, St. Cloud coming in on fire in that Friday night game, we don't want to contend with a team that uh, puts up a lot of goals on us early. Yeah, play like we did Saturday. Jump on them early would be huge for you and with, with that, I'll give you my prediction. Okay. Move on. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say a split. I, I think it's going to be what we've seen. We lose on Friday. We win on Saturday. It's it's just been kind of our, our MO, that feeling out. And I think that, that North Dakota will win on Friday, have a little bit more idea of where they will will be in the standings based on where the other games go. And then we'll find a way to get it back on Saturday. I'm going to go with a split as well. I'm going to go a little different than you. I'm going to say we go in fired up from our Saturday night win against uh, St. Cloud State uh, here. And I'm going to say that we win on Friday nights and that North Dakota finds a way to win on their senior nights on Saturday nights. And it'll be fascinating after both of those games to see where all the teams are and who we play uh, in the first round of the NCHC conference playoffs. It could be North Dakota again, which would be a, which would be a very, very interesting thing for the team and for the fans uh, to get to experience. Uh, but that's just kind of the way that it is right now in the conference race. Uh, I just want to mention that uh, the Friday game starts at 7.07 p.m. Omaha time, Central time. And then the Saturday game uh, is at 6.07 p.m. Omaha time, Central time. So uh, North Dakota is uh, experimenting with those earlier start times on Saturday nights this season. Be sure uh, to follow MavPuck.com on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find links to our social channels at MavPuck.com, as well as back episodes of this podcast, which we encourage you to watch. We encourage you to like. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we met a few fans of the MavPuckCast this weekend uh, who said how much they enjoyed it and that they had subscribed on YouTube. And Jason and I really, really appreciate that. Uh, that certainly helps the algorithm on there. It helps keep us going. It's, it's positive reinforcement and positive feedback for us. So that is fantastic. But until next week's episode, Jason, go Mavs. Go Mavs.